Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. The night we remember the birth of your son, Jesus, who changed history by entering it as God and man. We ask tonight as we celebrate your presence among us that you would fill us with your spirit and that you would open our hearts that we might receive your good news and be ready for your coming. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor here at New Life, and I'd like to start off tonight by telling you a a story. It's a little rhyme, actually, that Benjamin Franklin came up with 250 years ago or so, and it's a It's a story that tells us about the significance of something as seemingly insignificant as a horseshoe nail. It goes like this. For the want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For the want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of a rider, the battle was lost. For want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. So many times in our everyday lives, it seems like the moments that pass by are about as important as a horseshoe nail. We don't see any significance in them. And yet, here we are, December 24th, Christmas Eve. Every year, Christians around the world celebrate the birth of Jesus. But on that first Christmas Eve so long ago, nobody recognized, very few recognized its importance. Certainly not the innkeeper in Bethlehem. We we don't know the innkeeper's name. We actually don't know if he existed for sure because he's not mentioned in the Bible. But there must have been an innkeeper because there was no room in his inn for Mary very pregnant Mary and her desperate husband-to-be, Joseph. Christmas, December 25th. Or is it? We don't know for sure if Jesus was actually born on December the 25th. The reason why it's called Christmas on December 25th is because, according to the tradition of the early church, Mary was, uh, became pregnant on March the 25th. And if your child's perfect, <laughs> born nine months later, right? December 25th. Uh, some people believe it's December 25th because Emperor Constantine, the Roman Emperor Constantine in 336 AD said so. He said, from now on, Christmas is going to be December 25th. And a couple years later, Pope Julian I said, henceforth, Christmas will be on December 25th. I think that's the first uh, example of the cooperation of church and state. Anyway, anyway, some say the reason December 25th is was it was supposed to supplant a pagan holiday that celebrated the winter solstice. The winter solstice, you know, the shortest day of the year, December 21st or 22nd. Well, they had a celebration back in, the, in those ancient times because it showed that, that light had won over darkness. You see, after December 22nd, the days started getting longer. The, the shortest day of the year, the, the sunlight was the, the least on that day, and it started getting longer, showing that, that d- indeed light had won and that darkness was going to disappear. And in the spring and summer, that was true. So why not have a celebration of Jesus' birth? Because he is the light of the world who came into the world. And we're even told in John chapter 1 that the light overcame the darkness, right? Some people don't celebrate Christmas. Christians don't celebrate Christmas because they say Jesus never told us to celebrate Christmas. It's not written in the Bible like he told us to celebrate his death and his resurrection. He didn't say anything about his birth. So why why try to get rid of a pagan holiday and put in Jesus' birthday? I have a very good reason. Because it's the most significant event in the history of the world. Why not celebrate the most significant event in the history of the world when the Son of the living God came to Bethlehem as an infant 
After all, Pastor Brad, a couple weeks ago in his message, made a very powerful statement. Jesus' birth set in motion God's plan to release his kingdom to the world. You see, the birth of a baby in a small rural town outside of Jerusalem in Israel 2,000 years ago seemed about as significant as a horseshoe nail. But that horseshoe nail, if it were a particular nail for a particular shoe, for a particular horse, for a particular rider, for a particular battle, could have saved the kingdom. The weight of the kingdom on a nail, and certainly the weight of the world, is on Jesus Christ. And on the night he came, very few were ready. In fact, only a handful of people even recognized that Jesus was born that night. We're going to talk about them and Probably you already know who they are. Spoiler alert, they were out watching sheep. Okay. So, before we get to that, though, let's look at the take-home point. And the take-home point is the one point that we seek to make here. If you're a guest here for the first time, we we preach one-point sermons here so you can go out and actually remember them and then hopefully live them. That's why it's called a take-home point in the coming week. And here's this week's take-home point. When Jesus came, only the shepherds were ready. When Jesus comes... Will we be ready? You see, this series is called The Great Adventure because during this Advent season and Christmas season, we've been talking about how Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago, and when he came the first time, only the shepherds were ready. So when he comes again, because he told us he's coming again, will we be ready? Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, so here we are in 2015, and we look back in history to see what God has done and how we can learn from that history so we can know God better and love Him better, serve Him more effectively. And we live in a day today, and oftentimes it feels like most of our moments are sort of like horseshoe nails. They don't have any meaning or significance. Well, there are some that do, but not that many, it seems. And we look forward to that moment sometime in the future. We don't know exactly how far in the future when all of our expectations, all of our hopes, all of our dreams are going to come together when Jesus returns and we're going to be ready. Or will we? That's the title of tonight's message, Ready or Not. And so we're going to turn to the scripture, a very familiar one for probably most of us in the room, that tells us about those who were ready. You see, everybody should have been ready in Israel because they had been waiting for the Messiah, a deliverer, for hundreds of years. For hundreds of years, the Jews had expected that God would send someone to, to overtake the Romans. Before that, it was the Greeks. Before that, you know, it, it was a whole bunch of other people who had taken them in exile and sent them back into the land, but they wanted the Messiah to come, and they scoured the scriptures for when was it going to happen, where was it going to happen. But the night it happened, (laughs) nobody was ready. Well, Mary and Joseph were ready. They saw their little boy, Jesus, come into the world. They knew that he was the son of the living God, and they were in a stable, and they were just, I don't know, they were probably exhausted and just probably just wanting to maybe get a little rest. But something incredible happened outside of Bethlehem that night. We're told in Luke 2, starting in verse 8, that that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God 
and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I've been saying that the shepherds were ready. It looks more like they were just awake. I don't think very many people were awake that night, but the shepherds, they were awake. They were out there in the, in the you know, surrounding area outside of Bethlehem watching over their flocks, guarding them from predators and thieves. And some biblical scholars think that this was the temple flock, the flock of sheep that would one day, at least the unblemished ones, would be used for sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. Now that brings a sort of an intriguing uh, aspect to it because if that's true, then the shepherds would certainly have known an unblemished lamb when they went to see Jesus who was to be the lamb of God who one day would grow up and die on the cross to take away the sins of the world. In any case, the shepherds by law could not give testimony in a court because of their work. It was considered a little less than upright and since they were always dealing with dead animals and things, they were always unclean. And so they couldn't testify in a court of law. I found that comforting. As, as soon as I learned about that, I found it a comforting thing. Because, you know, a, a person who couldn't testify in a court of law, that's a witness that's about as valuable as a horseshoe nail, don't you think? Of course, again, that horseshoe nail could be very important if it were the particular shoe that held on to the particular horse that had the particular rider who had the particular message that would win the battle, which would keep the kingdom from falling. And the shepherds play an essential role. And the reason they play an essential role is because they show us what it means to be ready. I've always wanted all the passages of Scripture. I mean, mean, maybe you have a favorite one. I've always wanted to be there that night. I think, I mean, it was a night like every other night, right? Except all of a sudden it wasn't. It was a night like no other night. They were just out there watching their sheep, and suddenly we're told that an angel appeared, and the, the glory of the Lord's radiance shined around them, and it says they were terrified in the New Living Translation. And, and I always like the Greek translation, or the, actually the, the original Greek. It says mega phobos. Mega means great. Phobos means fear. They were greatly afraid. And, and as they were greatly afraid, the, the shepherd, I mean the angel said, hey, don't be afraid. I have good news. Good news of great joy for all the people because today in the town of David, Bethlehem, the Savior's been born, the Messiah, the Lord. And here's how you're going to know. Sort of an interesting sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth like every other baby in Israel. Lying in a manger, unlike every other baby in Israel. And then, if that wasn't enough, uh, an army of angels appeared in the heaven and they started shouting and praising God. and, And saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace among with those who he's pleased. And as they watched, the angels disappeared. And these were men of action, right? And so they looked at each other and said, hey, let's go over to Bethlehem. Let's see what happened that the Lord told us about. And so they go over and they find Mary and Joseph. There's the baby in the manger. And as soon as they verified that it was true, they told everybody about it. Now, who's everybody? I think it's everybody they could wake up in Bethlehem that night. 
everybody that would listen. And we're told that everybody who they woke up who listened was astonished. Everyone was astonished at what they had heard. But Mary, she pondered these things. She thought about them, not just that night, but she thought about them for a long time. And I can just picture Mary listening as the shepherds return and, and they're glorifying and praising God. And I love the last sentence of this text. It's one of my favorite sentences. You might not have really thought about this very much, but it says, It was just as the angel had told them. So few things in life live up to, to the buildup. You know what I'm saying? One time we went to see Plymouth Rock. I don't know if you've ever seen Plymouth Rock, but spoiler alert, it's not much to see. There's this little hole in the ground, you know, it's down in the ground, and the rock's like this big. I mean, that's where the pilgrims came. You would think it would be like a humongous rock, right? Or at least they could have made a fake one or something, right? But the shepherds were impressed. They were more than impressed because everything, every detail of what the angel said was exactly that way. It was just as they had been told. So, imagine... If you were one of those shepherds, time passes, Jesus grows up. I imagine you want to keep in contact with what's going on with this young man, you know, this baby who is the son of God. And, and, and you were there that night. And, and, and how, do, how do we know the shepherds were ready? They were awake and they listened to the message and then they verified the message. And after they verified the message, they told everybody who would listen. And so they probably kept some tabs about Jesus, and they heard that he had to leave and go to Egypt, and they heard, you know, that he was living in Nazareth, and then one day they heard he was being crucified. And if they lived long enough, maybe somebody was out there in that field that night, watched as Jesus hung on a cross, and they remembered the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It would have been incredible. And, you know, there was another crowd, and, and, and the shepherds, I don't know if it was a big crowd or a small crowd of shepherds, but there was another crowd two days before Jesus died, and they were gathered to hear what Jesus had to say. And that crowd, Jesus said something very hard to understand. He said to them, when I come back, when I come back, and, and, and everybody in the crowd that day would have gone, when you come back, what? Where from where? Where are you going? Because you see, in those days, they believed, if they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, they believed that he was going to be there forever, that he was going to establish Israel as the central nation on the planet, religiously, politically, in every way. And then there were those in the crowd who thought Jesus was a fake, and they thought he was going to be exposed and executed and forgotten. But nobody who was there that day, when we hear about what we're going to read here in just a couple minutes, would have said, 2,000 years from now, they're going to be gathering churches all over the world and they're going to be remembering that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and that Jesus said he's coming back. But we're going to read the very words that promise us that Jesus is coming back. They're from Mark chapter 13 and starts in verse, thir- uh, verse 26. And in verse 26 it says this. Now, Jesus is talking to a crowd two days before he's crucified. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear. But my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard 
stay alert. We could say, be ready. Be ready. Because Jesus promised that one day he's going to come back in the clouds. And if those people who are ready for him to return are waiting, he's going to take them. He says from everywhere, you know, even from heaven. And he's going to gather them all together and they're going to be together forever. So how do we stay awake? How do we stay alert? How do we be ready? Well, the shepherds told us. And I want to remind us one more time. They showed us by staying awake. We stay awake. We listen to the message. We verify that it's true. And then we tell everyone we can, everyone who will listen, that Jesus has come and one day he's coming again to claim his own. So obviously we can't really stay awake 24-7, 365, right? I don't know how long you've ever stayed up. The longest I've ever stayed up is like two and a half days. And that was that. I couldn't stay up anymore. How can you stay up forever? I mean, it says stay awake, doesn't it? Stay alert. Well, here's what we can do. When we are awake, we can be alert. And every night when we go to bed, we can have the same anticipation as an eight-year-old on Christmas Eve. Every night when we go to bed, we can have the same anticipation as an eight-year-old on Christmas Eve. Here's how we do that. We remember that when we wake up tomorrow, Jesus might be coming back. Or when we wake up tomorrow, we're going to have a lot of events, and they're going to seem like a horseshoe nail. Not very important. But here's what's going to happen. And some of the things that we say that we don't think are even important at all, somebody's going to hear that, and it's going to change their life. Some of the kind deeds that we do that we don't even remember. I mean, people have come to me years after I've said something or done something, and they say, do you remember when you said that or did that? And I go, no. And they say, changed my life. Because I came to know Jesus through that incident. And maybe you've had that experience too. You know, sometimes we feel like horseshoe nails. We don't matter. But if you're that specific horseshoe nail in that person's life, it matters. It really, really matters. So we stay awake. The second thing we do is what the shepherds did. We listen to the message. And we have such an advantage. You realize we have the message of God in this book. And as Americans, we have dozens of English translations from which to choose to read the Word of God. So we can hear it. We can read it. We can study it. We can meditate on it. We can memorize it. And then what can we do? We can pass it on in word and actions. So we stay awake. We hear the message, and then the next thing we ought to do is what the shepherds did. We verify that the message is true. Now, you say, wait a minute, Chris. We can't go over to Bethlehem and see the baby Jesus. No, you can't, because he grew up. He died. He rose again. He went back to heaven. He's in heaven now. He sent his Holy Spirit. So how can we verify that he's real? How we verify that he's real is we trust him as Savior and Lord. And we let his Spirit live in our lives. We let him change us and so that we can do the things that nobody else can do. So many times in my life, there have been sort of crossroads, roads, you might say, and, and I had to take a step one direction or another, and I didn't know which way to go, and I just called out to God, and I took a step. And he's always been there, and he's done such incredible things that I know he's real. The other thing that proves that he's real to me is so many times I've failed him, so many times I've sinned, and every single time he's forgiven me. Because you see, the Lamb of God did grow up to die on the cross and rise again, and to forgive the sins <laughs> of people like you and like me. Now, I've already started to do the last thing that the shepherds did. They told everybody who would listen about Jesus. So they were awake. They heard the message. They verified that it was true. And then they started telling people everywhere 
all the people they could wake up that night about Jesus. I imagine they probably kept on telling people about Jesus. Whoever would come by their flocks, they'd say, hey, did you know about Jesus? The Savior of the Lord, Savior of the world. He's in the world. And that's what we have the opportunity to do. Now, I know it's Christmas Eve, and you might have come here tonight thinking I'd talk about the baby Jesus. You might have been hoping that I'd talk about how the little animals were nodding their heads, you know, in time with the little drummer boy. Nothing wrong with that. But I didn't come here to talk about that tonight. I came here to talk about the second time Jesus comes. Not the first time, but the second time. And the thing about it is, you know, sometimes I think about God and I think he just doesn't understand how hard life is. I mean, life is really hard sometimes. I don't know if it is for you, but sometimes life gets to be really, really hard. And sometimes I think, you know, God, you just don't understand because, you see, you're up there in heaven, up in that eternal bliss, and down here it's not eternal bliss. And then I remember Christmas. And I remember that Jesus came here, and he didn't get to be born in a hospital. And he didn't get to live in a nice house, and he didn't get to go to the best school. He didn't get the stuff that he wanted for Christmas. Who wants gold, frankincense, and myrrh when you're a little baby? But here's the thing about Jesus. He was born in a stable. He lived for the first couple years of his life as a refugee in Egypt. He grew up and he never owned a house. He never owned a car. He never even owned two pairs of shoes. He experienced the pain that we experienced, the struggles that we experienced, the temptation that we experienced. The only thing difference between Jesus and us is Jesus never sinned. That's why he could be the Lamb of God who took away our sin on the cross one day 2,000 years ago. The truth is, Jesus knows what we've been going through in our lives. He knows that most moments we feel like a horseshoe nail that doesn't matter. He knows that sometimes we feel like, you know, my mother used to say, lower than dirt. You know, some of you are old enough to remember my mother's little ditty, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, think I'll go eat worms. Remember that? Have you ever felt like that? Jesus knows what it's like. You know why Jesus knows what it's like? Because when he grew up, the the people in the know in the day, they rejected him. Jesus' best friends, they, they ran out on him when he needed them the most. And then he was condemned and crucified. Jesus knows what it's like to go through struggles that we can't even imagine in this life. And he's coming back. He's coming back. Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. Maybe next week, maybe next month or next year. I don't know, maybe 100 years or 1,000 years from now. But what he said was, be ready. Be ready. And maybe you're in the room tonight and maybe you're not ready. Maybe you've never really said, I'm broken. You know, I don't know how to get fixed. But I realized that real early in my life that I was broken and nobody was going to fix me but Jesus. And so I trusted him when I was a little boy, 12 years old. I trusted him as my Savior and Lord. Savior means that I knew that I needed to be saved from sin and death. I knew that I needed to be saved from the wrath of God that was going to come when Jesus returned. And Lord, I knew that meant that he was going to be in charge of my life for the rest of my life. And I knew he called me to be ready. And if if that's not you, you're not ready, you haven't received him as Savior and Lord, I'm, I'm going to have a little prayer put up. It's a very short prayer, very powerful prayer. It says this, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I need you. Come in and take over right now. Be my Savior and Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may live the great adventure you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I always like people to see a prayer before they say a prayer. 
Um, but if you need to say that prayer, I'm going to say it again out loud. And if you need to ask Jesus into your life, I would encourage you to do that right now so that you can be ready. Here it is. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I need you. Come in and take over right now. Be my Savior and Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may live the great adventure you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. So once we've done that, we have a lifetime to learn from the shepherds so that we will be ready when Jesus comes. And that's tonight's commitment. It's simply this. I will live ready each day. Jesus said that he's the light of the world. And he told us that we were supposed to share that light with others, his love with others, his truth, and his, and his salvation with others in a dark and, and hurting world. And we get the opportunity to do that once we know him as Savior and Lord this night and we can live ready each and every day. And I know some of you, you don't think you matter. Some of you don't think it matters if you're ready. You, you think your life is about as important as a horseshoe nail. Well, I want to tell you something. If you're the right horseshoe nail, on the right shoe, on the right horse, on the right rider, on the right battle, you could save a kingdom. We only get one life. We only get one life to live. But if that life is lived for the baby Jesus who grew up to be the Lord and Savior of the world, who's coming back as the King of kings and Lord of lords, it's, that's all you need is one life. One life to live to His glory. One life of waking up every day with anticipation. Maybe today. Or maybe today I get to show somebody Jesus. One life of listening to the messages and then sharing them with others. One life of verifying that it's true, of putting him to the test. And I know everybody says, don't test God. Well, except in one thing, you know, in giving. But, but what I've found is that God is big enough that sometimes, like Gideon, if you know Gideon, you know Gideon put God to the test, and God didn't strike him with lightning. He just did what Gideon asked. Sometimes he does that for us too. And at the end of our lives, we'll look back and we'll say, wow, I didn't think I mattered, but <laughs> I did. Because Jesus matters more than anybody and he wears off on his followers he wears off on his children he wears off on those who trust him as savior and lord so this christmas night the best gift that we can receive is jesus and the best gift that we can give is jesus because he truly is the lord and savior of life now and forever and ready or not he's going to come Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus 2,000 years ago, that he came to save us from our sins and give us life that is truly life now and forever. God, I pray tonight that each of us in the room who just maybe for the very first time trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord will know the joy that comes from that experience. God, I pray for those who maybe have known Jesus a long time that we will go out of here understanding that we might not think our role is very important, but we might say one little thing or do one little act of kindness that might change another person's eternity. And we get to do that every day until you come back or we go to see you. So tonight, God, we give this Christmas to you. We ask that you would use us to bring glory to your life that is truly life, to bring glory to you, our God and our King, to your Son, Jesus. And God, we pray for your Spirit to be poured in each of us that we might live ready every moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.